said than done. Just trust him. We'll start in Numbers 13. After an absence of several weeks, I would like to return to our Sunday night series, Chaldea to Canaan. My desire is simply to make application to our church body as we approach our 40th anniversary. So I thought it'd be fitting if we emphasize the children of Israel crossing over Jordan and into Canaan after 40 years. As a reminder, our theme this year posted on the wall is from Deuteronomy 2.7. For the Lord thy God hath blessed thee in all the works of thy hand. He knoweth thy walking through this great wilderness. These 40 years the Lord thy God hath been with thee. Thou hast lacked nothing. Um, now, I have to keep saying this so no one gets offended, but I'm, I'm in no way trying to suggest that our church has been in a wilderness for the last 40 years. I'm not suggesting that. I'm just making application. We started by considering Abram being called out of Ur of the Chaldees and into Canaan and how that's what made him a Hebrew, Hebrew meaning to pass over. He had passed over from one, one region to another. And uh, the emphasis is God wants a called out people to himself those who will cross from their old life to a life following the Savior. Um, so the question was, have you left Babylon behind? Do you still have one foot in Babylon, one foot in the, in the church? So if our church is going to thrive, we have to come completely out from Babylon. <clears throat> then we fast forwarded 400 years from Abraham and considered Moses at the burning bush uh, the main challenge there was let's don't lose sight let us not lose sight of the miracle that is Liberty Baptist Tabernacle Amen. through the mundane we come to church week after week and you the Sunday night crowd are here for every service don't lose sight of what God has done here it's a it's a miracle it's a miracle and it was only after Moses had turned aside did the Lord call out to him there? <clears throat> Every time we assemble, it's a miracle from God. And if we're not careful, we can chalk it up to just another service that we have to attend out of obligation. But I believe that what we have here is so much more than just some obligation we are a burning fire in the wilderness for all of Rapid City to see. We are a miracle. Amen. So let's take time to turn aside and just soak in what it is that God has done and called us to. Forty years, we're still here. We're still going. Amen. Don't take it for granted. I, I can tell you that um, when, I, when I took over, my greatest fear was this would be no more. Anyway, this isn't in my notes. I just am so glad that God has blessed an ignorant man who doesn't know any better than just to trust him. I've not had a class on how to do this. And uh, anyway, the doors are still open. Hallelujah. Now, 
for tonight, we're going to be in Numbers 13 to begin with. We're going to read quite a bit. If you wanted to go ahead and kind of get a, t- um, a place marker ready in Deuteronomy 1 and also chapter 32 of Numbers, you could do that as well. I was originally planning to start this series with the children of Israel at the Jordan, ready to cross over. I just can't seem to get there yet. We're going to consider tonight when Israel sent the 12 spies into the land. By the way, how many of you know the two who brought back a good report? Who were they? Now, how many of you know the 10 that brought back the bad report? You see, nobody remembers losers. So be a winner for Christ. Let's pray. All right, we're going to read all of chapter 13 to begin with. The Bible says in Numbers chapter 13, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men, that they may search out the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall you send a man, every one a ruler among them. And Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran, and all those men were heads of the children of Israel. And these were their names of the tribe of Reuben. Uh, Reuben. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking of Justin now um, from this morning in Sunday school. We're going to get through this, brother. Um, Shamua, the son of Zakur, of the tribe of Simeon. Shaphat, the son of Horai, the tribe of Judah. Caleb, the son of, some say Jephuni. Some say Jephuna, some say Jeff Funny. Um, if you ask me how I pronounce his name, I'd say Caleb. Of the tribe of Issachar, uh, Egal, the son of Joseph. Of the tribe of Ephraim, Oshia, the son of Nun, that's the same as Joshua. Of the tribe of Benjamin, uh, Paltai, the son of Raphu. Of the tribe of Zebulun, uh, Gadiel, the son of Zodai. Of the tribe of Joseph, namely of the tribe of Manasseh, Gadai, the son of Susai. Of the tribe of Dan, Amiel, the son of Gimali. Of the tribe of Asher, uh, Sether, the son of Michael. Of the tribe of Naphtali, uh, Nabi, the son of Vashai. Of the tribe of Gad, Geuel, the, um, the son of Mekai. You know, it just needs to say Bubba and stuff like that. <laughs> These are the names of the men which Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called Oshia, the son of Nun, Jehoshua. And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Get you up this way southward and go up into, this, into the mountain and see the land, what it is, and the people that dwelleth therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many, and what, the, and what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what the cities they be that dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds, and what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not, and be of a good courage and bring of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and searched the land from the wilderness of Zin unto Rehob, as men come to Hamath. And they ascended by the south and came to Hebron, where Ahiman, Shishai, and Talmai, the children of Anak, were. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. And they came unto the brook of Eskol and cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes, and they bare it between two upon a staff, and they brought of the pomegranates and of the figs. The place was called the Brook of Eskol because of the cluster of grapes which the children of Israel cut down from thence. And they returned from searching the land after forty days. And they went and came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. 
And they told him and said, We came into the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it, it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of a great stature. And there we saw the giants, the son of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were uh, in their sight. <clears throat> I, when I read this, it's an amazing account to me in that when we consider all that Israel had already experienced, I think it baffles the mind that so soon it seems to, they seem to have forgotten all that God had done for them. Uh, they were miraculously brought out from Egyptian slavery. They were not just hanging out there. They watched as God protected and led them by a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. They watched as God parted the Red Sea and they walked through in dry ground, on dry ground. And then they watched as God closed the sea over the Egyptian army and drowned them all. The Bible says in Exodus 14, 30 and 31, And Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. Now they saw this. Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians, and the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and His servant Moses. Um, in addition to already seeing God's mighty hand in their favor, when they spy out the land, they cut down this branch of a cluster of grapes, and the, the cluster of grapes is so large that two men are bearing a staff uh, between them carrying this cluster of grapes. They brought back pomegranates and figs. They had proof of God's blessing. And when they came back after 40 days, they gave their report to Moses. They showed Israel all the fruit. And they said, surely this is a land that floweth with milk and honey. I mean, they recognized it for what it was. But notice the first word of verse 28. Nevertheless... The people are strong, the cities are walled, and in verse 33, there's giants in the land. And you're probably like me in the sense that how is it they could have witnessed the greatness of God in coming out of Egypt and crossing the Red Sea? The Bible says there was a wall of water, a wall of water on each side of them. <laughs> that, that they could see that and experience that, and here they are now at the edge of Canaan's land, and they completely doubt God's ability to bring them in. Isn't that amazing? But isn't it sad that we're no different sometimes? We have seen God's good hand upon us in the past. But if we're not careful, we can still doubt God's ability going forward. 
Hold your place there. We're going to come back to chapter 14 momentarily. If you'll turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 1. Don't worry, we'll get to the message here in just a minute. Deuteronomy chapter 1. What's interesting is we just read in Numbers 13 that God commanded Moses to send the spies to search out the land of Canaan. But I want you to notice how Moses rehearses that account in Deuteronomy chapter 1. And we'll be looking at verses 19 through 26. And when he departed from... So Deuteronomy just kind of gives a recount, if you will, a restating. Um, And when we departed from Horeb, we went through all that great and terrible wilderness, which he saw by the way of the mountain of the Amorites, as the Lord our God commanded us. And we came to Kadesh Barnea, and I said unto you, Ye are come unto the mountain of the Amorites, which the Lord our God doth give unto us. Behold, the Lord thy God has set the land before thee. Go up and possess it as the Lord God of thy fathers has said unto thee, Fear not, neither be discouraged. So remember back in Numbers 13, it, it appears as though God had given the command um, initially saying, go, go do this. But what we're seeing here is what actually happened here in verse 22. And ye came near unto me, every one of you, and said, We will send men before us, and they shall search us out the land, and bring us word again by what way we must go up, and into what cities we shall come. And, and so Moses had told them, look, we're at the land, you need to go up and take it. And they said, well, I got a better idea. Let's go spy out the land and let's see what the best way to go up is, what we're up against. And the saying pleased me well, and I took 12 men of you, one of a tribe, and they turned and went up into the mountain and came into the valley of Eskel and searched it out. And they took of the fruit of the land in their hands and brought it uh, down unto us and brought us word again and said, it is a good land which the Lord our God doth give us. Notwithstanding, you would not go up, but rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God. Um, Evidently, Moses had told them to go up, possess the land, but the people hesitated. Is everybody seeing this? Um, And and it was actually the people who felt it was needful to go and spy out the land. And they wanted to know, what is it that we're getting into The problem is, if we knew what it was we were getting into, we probably wouldn't have gotten into it. (laughs) Anyway, there's a reason it's called walking by faith. So after the children of Israel desired to send spies, uh, the, the way I see this unfolding, the Bible is not explicitly clear is I believe Moses would have asked the Lord, what do you want me to do? And at that point, the Lord would have told Moses what we read in Numbers 13. Commanded them, go send spies into the land. I hope all this is making sense as we set the table. Now, what was the need of the spies? There was no need. There was no need. Um, God had already covenanted the land to them. God already told them they would inherit the land. They didn't need to spy out the land. They just needed to trust God. Their problem was they were not trusting God. They were not taking God at His word that God had already promised them. Now, I don't know how you feel about it tonight, but I believe God wants to take our church to a higher plane. I believe that. I believe the best is yet to come for Liberty Baptist Tabernacle. 
I do not say that believing we have missed God's will for the last 40 years. Please do not misunderstand me. I just sense God wants to do great things through this church in Rapid City. But I wonder if there's any naysayers in our midst tonight. Are there any doubters in our fold? I wonder if there are any here who recognize what God has done in the past, but you still don't see how God can do it in the future. And here's the problem. It only took ten naysayers to get all of Israel doubting and discouraged. Only Joshua and Caleb believed in God. We could probably say Moses as well, but he wasn't going in for other reasons. He had a problem with anger. Even with the proof in their hands, for all of Israel to see, they still didn't really want God's best. Now, I want to take note here, what were these ten men able to pull off? What was it that they were able to do to get Israel in this state of disbelief? Look in our chapter here, Deuteronomy 1. Let's keep reading in verse 26 down through 36. Notwithstanding, you would not go up, but rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God. And he murmured in your tents and said, Because the Lord hated us, he hath brought us forth out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Whither shall we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our hearts, saying, The people is greater and taller than we. The cities are great and walled up to heaven. And moreover, we have seen the sons of the Anakims there. Then I said unto you, Dread not, neither be afraid of them. The Lord your God, which goeth before you, he shall fight for you according to all that he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. And in the wilderness where thou hast seen how that the Lord thy God bare thee as a man doth bear his son in all the way that ye went until ye came into this place, Yet in this thing you did not believe the Lord your God who went in the way before you to search you out a place. <laughs> let me, let, let's slow down and get that. Yet in this thing you did not believe the Lord your God who went in the way before you to search you out a place to pitch your tents in in fire by night to show you by what way ye should go and in a cloud by day. And the Lord heard the voice of your words and was wroth. And swear, saying, Surely there shall not one of these men of this evil generation see that good land which I swear to give unto your fathers, save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. He shall see it, and to him will I give the land that he hath trodden upon, and to his children, because he hath wholly followed the Lord. These men, these doubters, these naysayers, these who were more concerned about the enemy, in verse 26, they caused rebellion against God, but rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God. In verse 27, they caused there to be murmuring in the camp, and they were viewing God and His intentions for them wrongly. In verse 28, they were causing doubt and discouragement, and in verse 32, there was unbelief. Flip back over to Numbers chapter 14, and let's look at verses 1 through 10. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and all the people wept that night, and all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. 
And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt? Or would God we had died in this wilderness? And wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? And they said one to another, Let us make a captain, and let us return into Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. And Joshua the son of Nun, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes, and they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it, it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then He will bring us into this land and give it us a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. But all the congregation bade stone them with stones. And the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. These naysayers in verse 1 caused there to be crying and weeping throughout the camp. In verse 2, the murmuring against, they were murmuring against God's chosen leadership and they were wishing they would die. In verse 3, they felt it to be better off in Egypt. Verse 4, they wanted to go ahead and return back to Egypt. Verse 9, there was rebellion. Verse 10, they actually were ready to stone Joshua and Caleb. But we're not done yet. Look at Numbers chapter 32. Let's read from verse 6 through 15. Numbers 32 and verse 6. And Moses said unto the children of Gad and to the children of Reuben, Shall your brethren go to war? And shall ye sit here? These were the tribes that wanted to stay on the east side. And wherefore discourage ye the heart of the children of Israel from going over into the land which the Lord hath given them? He equates it to this. Thus did your fathers when I sent them from Kadesh Barnea to see the land. For they went, for when they went up unto the valley of Eschol and saw the land, they discouraged the heart of the children of Israel that they should not go into the land which the Lord had given them. And the Lord's anger was kindled the same time, and he sware, saying, Surely none of the men that came up out of Egypt from twenty years old and upward shall see the land which I swear unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob, because they have not followed me, because they have not wholly followed me, save Caleb the son of Jephunneh, the Kenezite, and Joshua the son of Nun, for they have wholly followed the Lord. The Lord's anger was kindled against Israel, and he made them wander in the wilderness forty years, and till all the generation that had done evil in the sight of the Lord was consumed. And behold, ye are risen up in your father's stead to increase an increase of sinful men, to augment yet the fierce anger of the Lord toward Israel. For if ye turn away from after him, he will yet again leave them in the wilderness, and ye shall destroy all his people. Verse 9, these men caused discouragement. That means their hearts melted they fainted through fear and grief. They had no strength. Verse 10, the Lord became angry. Verse 11 was God's judgment of death. Verse 13, God's judgment of wandering in the wilderness for 40 years and death. 
Do you see how easy it is for a people to get off track? Um, all it would take, listen to me now, all it would take is for a handful of you to get disgruntled. To get your eyes off God, to start murmuring and complaining about the plan that God has for us. To start murmuring and complaining about the leadership God has put in place. And the next thing you know, people become filled with doubt. Discouragement. Crying. Weeping with a desire to go back where we came from. Or at a minimum, just to kind of stay put instead of trusting God's Word going forward. And, and lastly there, notice verse 15 again where Moses says to the tribes of Gad and Reuben, if you turn away from God, then He will yet again leave them in the wilderness and ye shall destroy all this people. God said if you want to stay, you can stay. Is everybody catching that? Complaining and, and, and murmuring don't just affect those complaining and murmuring. But it hurts all the people and it spreads throughout the camp. Now, in case some of you are wondering, I've not heard of any of this happening, but just in case. It's good to have a tune-up, amen. James chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 say, Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and is set on the fire of hell. What you say affects others. It does. In, in verse 13 there, God considered what took place on the edge of Canaan's land evil. Evil. Until all the generation that had done evil in the sight of the Lord was consumed. And I guess what I'm trying to say tonight is I believe God has even greater things in store as we surpass 40 years this November. I believe we have even had the proof in our hands we have the proof of a sweet spirit in this place. There's been far too many people traveling through make that comment. We have seen God move among us. We've seen people saved and baptized. We have seen marriages salvaged. We have seen children rescued. But do we believe God can still do it in the future? We have a facility debt-free. We have seen God work out the details in our press ministry. We have a growing church. We have a giving church. We have solid ministries. We have vision. But do we want His best? Or will we be content with just good enough? I want everybody to be on board. I don't want to lose any in the wilderness, although that is going to happen. Sometimes it surprises you who you lose, but you lose them. 
I don't want to lose anybody because of unbelief, and I don't want any naysayers ruining it, ruining it for the rest of us. I don't even like complaining in my house. Tell the kids, if there ain't a bone, blood, a tooth missing, shut up. Now, based upon the application of this series, I want you to imagine, if you will, that we are the ones standing on the edge of Canaan land. God's chosen land for His people. What do you see? As you gaze over into that land, which we know is flowing with milk and honey, do you see the blessings of God or the enemies of God? Do you see God's Word being fulfilled or do you dismiss God's promises? What kind of congregation do you see on the other side? Are you content where we're at? Are you happy with our four and no more? Is everybody with me tonight? I wonder as you gaze into Canaan's land, do you see a new facility? Or is that an unconquerable giant to your eyes? Are you ready to move forward? Or would you like to just stay where we're at for another 40 years? I see in my mind's eye where I want to go. I don't know how many of you are with me. But your impact will affect the masses. It only took ten men to discourage all of Israel and convince them we need to pack it up and go back into slavery. It only took ten men to convince Israel that the best course of action right now is to take up stones and kill Caleb and Joshua. I don't really want to be stoned, amen? I want you to see the good land that God has for us. I want you to look forward to the miraculous. God's done miraculous things here. We've had Red Sea crossings. We've had coming out of Egypt. We've had manna from heaven. Listen, we've had some great things. And I don't want to lose sight that God is still able Our God hasn't changed. (laughs) It's we that change. Do we really believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever? You say, well, they had the promise of God. What promises do we have? How about this one? God is not willing that any should perish. Do you believe that? If you believe that, then we ought, to be see, we ought to be seeing people come to Christ. How about this promise? Christ will build His church. <laughs> the gates of hell will not prevail against Christ's church. Do we believe that? What do you see as you spy out the land? 
If we sent you out and I called you out by name and I said, Brandon, it's your birthday. I want you to go spy out the land and tell me what it is you see. What report would you bring back? I see a new facility. Or at least stuffing this one to capacity. Can you see standing room only? Can you see people stuffed in the choir and in the orchestra? Uh, Can you see chairs being put out for more people? Can you see that? Can you see two services if needed? Well, I was with you, preacher, until that one. (laughs) Do you care about souls or not? Can you see more men on staff? Can you see an active and productive outreach program? Can you see a bigger choir? Can you see a continued sweet spirit in this place? What do you see? It's not enough for just a Joshua and a Caleb to come back and say, that is the good land and we need to get there. So long as there's ten more of us back here saying, I don't think so. Do you see that God is able? Or do you see enemies which cannot be defeated? Do you just see us as living in the last days and this is just the best we can do? Do you see more children coming in on the bus routes? Do you see new equipment at the press? Do you see more instruments in the orchestra? Do you see more Sunday school space? Do you see more parking? Do you see God's will for our academy? Do you see families with children to fill our teen group, our patch and peewee clubs? Do you see the next generation stepping up in your mind's eye? Or are you on that generation that's about to pass off the scene and say, thank God I'm out of here. Well, preacher, it kind of sounds like you care about numbers. No, I care about souls. But for the record, there's an entire book called Numbers, so just get over it. We don't need to shy away from numbers. By the way, as Rapid City and the surrounding areas grow, we ought to be growing with them. I can hear the naysayers now, but I won't know everybody if we grow. So what? You don't really know everybody now. (laughs) You think you do because you know their name, but you only see them on Sunday morning. You think you know them, and yet we've had them go to jail. We've had to church discipline them for sins that were going on behind closed. Come on now. We think we know. We don't. The naysayers will say, God won't provide that kind of money to build a new facility. The naysayer says, but uh, how are we going to deal with more people? I mean, more people, more problems. Oops, that was my complaint. (laughs) I didn't know you put that in there, and that's good. (laughs) 
That really was my complaint, by the way. More people, more problems. Do we really believe God is able to move mightily in these last days? That's the question. Uh, You see, we need a bunch of Caleb's and Joshua's. What do you see? Some saw giants big and strong. Some saw grapes in clusters long. I see an abundant life over there. I see more victories over there. I see more souls reached for Christ over there. I I see more families salvaged over there. Are there going to be enemies? You better believe it. We've got them now. (laughs) we got Baptist enemies. Amen. But God will fight our battles so long as we are right with Him. And may we never forget that our God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. I want to encourage us tonight to go forward by faith in God, believing that on the other side of 40 years, there's even more for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask You please to help us as a, a Sunday night gathering to be unified in one accord, one mind, one faith. May there be no naysayers among us. May there be no doubters. May, they, may we all just realize that you're the same. It's us that has changed. There's no reason why we cannot see revival. There's no reason why we can't see great things and why we can't reach Rapid City for Christ. But God, how we have to get out of the way and we have to start living by faith. Lord, I pray your blessings upon this people. Help us to gaze over into that other side and see the good that you have for us. Help us for Christ's sake. Amen. Let's